Good morning, everybody, and welcome to a special edition of A Vision for You. Today is Sunday, February 21st, 2016. The share ID for Friday, February 19th, is 8475. That's 8475. This morning, A Vision for You presents Repairing the Damage. Step nine, made direct amends wherever possible except when to do so would injure them or others. Steps one and two are conclusions of the mind. Lack of power is our dilemma. We are powerless and need power. A power greater than ourselves will restore us to sanity. Step three is a decision a decision to find that power through the working of the steps. Steps four, five, six, and seven unblock those character defects and allow us access. They rehabilitate our relationship with our true self, removing those defects which block the access to our higher power. Now we're ready for steps eight and nine both of which give us an opportunity to live in harmony with our fellow human beings. We go to those we've harmed, acknowledge the harm specifically, take responsibility for our part, and clean it up, repairing the damage. This morning we have four recovered compulsive overeaters who will share their experience with Step 9. Our panelists this morning include Du L., who resides in New York, Becca W. from Maryland, Julie R., who resides in California, and Monica T., Florida, and Vermont. And we'll get started here with panelist number one. Good morning, Dew. Good morning, Leah. Good morning, a vision for you. This is Dew L. I'm a recovered compulsive reader from New York, and I'm grateful to be here. Um, I want to start off by asking God to direct my thinking, direct my thoughts, and to convey his message versus anything that I could preconceive myself. Um, Just to get started, I just want to give an overview. I I think Leah did a a very nice uh, way of doing an overview of the steps, but I just wanted to cover that um, uh, for a minute. Um, you know, step when we go through the steps and we get to step nine, it's, uh, it's putting back, you know, the way God intended us to be. And steps one through three is getting a right relationship with a higher power, right? We're making that commitment, you know, for God to be the director of our lives versus the way we've uh, always directed our own steps, which got us here. <laughs> steps four through seven is getting a right relationship with myself. Um, and then after that, it brings us to steps eight and nine, which is it gives us the opportunity to live in harmony with our fellow beings. Um, so there's no way that God can control our minds when our minds are being dominated by something that occurred in the past. So this gives us an opportunity to get rid of the blocks and clear up the way for the process of eight and nine. 
Um, eight and eight, step eight is to make a list of all the persons we have harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. And step nine is to make a direct amends to such people except when to do so would injure them or others. So these steps are going to help us to um, get rid of the remorse, the uh, guilt, the fear, um, and the shame that blocked us in the past um, from God and from others, um, including ourselves. And so um, I would like to begin with um, uh, step nine, because that's what I've been called to do. <laughs> and uh, step nine is, is a long step. Um, it it kind of like ties in with step eight. So I'm just going to kind of like touch on that like very briefly. Um, uh, step eight is found on page 76, and that's we've made a list of all the persons we have harmed and are willing to make amends to them. And it says here that we made that list when we took the fourth step inventory. So, you know, it's, it's not really hard, um, you know, to go through that process because we already know that at step eight, you know, we don't have to reinvent the wheel. We just have to go through the process that's outlined. And so, you know, that leads us to step nine. We're, we're getting ready to, um, to sweep away the debris um, that has accumulated out of uh, the efforts of self-will run riot, right? Um, we're, we're looking to make these amends and go directly to these people um, and clean up the past. Um, so, but let's start off with page 83. If you, if you can follow me there for a minute, um, I'm going to start from... I'm going to go backwards and then go forward. Um, in page 83, it talks about the promises and it says, if we're painstaking about this phase of our development, we will be amazed before we're halfway through. And, you know, this, um, this is the promises that we'll get after, after completing our step nine amends. Um, and so, you know, it says here, it's a phase, of our development. And I just wanted to define that because a lot of people may think, well, I could skip through the steps and just go directly to step nine. And, you know, I'm at step one, you know, trying to get the food down, but I'm not thinking at this point in time I can make amends. <laughs> well, no, you know, um, step one is about, you know, I, I think a lot of people get, get it a little bit mixed up because they get into step one and all of a sudden they feel the remorse, the pain of hurting others and they want to quickly make amends. Um, what they're feeling is not the part where they have to make amends, but the part where they are acknowledging the unmanageability in their lives. So let's, let's really look at what is a phase. A phase is a stage or a period of change or development. And what is a development? A development is to grow, unfold, or expand gradually, to elaborate or enlarge to progress from earlier to later stages of maturation. And what step nine does for us in, in here, and it talks about the phase of development, right, is that we need to go through the process of steps one through eight before we come to nine. And the development stages is that we go through um, such stages. And just to give you an example of what that looks like, if, if I am a, a child, right, um, I got to go through phases of development. Um, the phases of development of the human being is that they go through infancy, where they nurture from their mom. You know, they they uh, they get breast milk. They they're 
they change the pampers, they um, and and they're they're fed, right? And they sleep. Um, the other phase is that they become taller. They learn to crawl. They learn to walk. Uh, then they go through the phase of development when they're a child, uh, which they learn to read and write, and and it goes on to adolescent, where their reproductive um, uh, organisms are, you know, starting to mature. They're starting, you know, for for girls, they go into the period of of menstruation. For the boys, they go through the period of, you know, um, having um, ejaculation and whatnot. And then they go into young adulthoods and adult and, and adult. So this is a process, and this is of development that they go through. It's the same thing for us when we go through the steps. Step one is we put down the food, and death of the binge foods need to occur. Steps two, um, we're entering into a relationship with God. On page 13, it talks about we enter into a relationship, we establish a relationship with God, and we maintain that relationship and that is step three. We establish and we maintain the relationships. That's two and three. And then, um, and then the way we, um, we go and establish that relationship is going through the rest of steps four through nine. Um, steps four, we looked at our character defects that block us from the relationship with God, and we admit these defects to God, to ourselves, and to another human being and the exact nature of our wrongs. In step six, we take a responsibility and recognize and surrender our character defects to God. Step seven, we take, make a verbal commitment to um, let God run the show and how he will shape and mold us into the person that we ought to be. Step eight, we made a list of the persons we have harmed. And the good news is that we don't have to work this um, again. We just take the list from where we had in step four and we just just pass it forward and we just, just uh, become willing to make the amends. So there's a step eight prayer there that we um, ask God to be willing. And this leads us now to step nine. And it's important that we don't skip on the steps because the experience shows that if we don't build on the solid foundation on the steps, we will fall. You know, we will not remain uh, abstinent. Um, we'll go back to the food. Um, that also means you can't uh, skip the order of the steps and the promises come for those who are working the steps abstinently, not working the steps while in the food. So as we begin step nine, we want to invite God into the process and it's all part of our commitment to God um, to be in charge and to direct our amends. So that's one of the first things we do is we go to the prayers found on page 79 and we ask God to be given the strength and direction to do the right thing no matter what the personal consequences may be. We also look at page 83 where it says, we ask every morning in meditation to our creator to show us a way of patience, tolerance, and kindliness, and love. And we're going to need these principles because they're going to help us um, to make the amends the way that God will want us to uh, have them done versus how we think we ought to do them. So I'm going to cover, uh, um, you know, um, the the nine step amends runs from page uh, 76 to page 84. And so there's a lot of points, a lot of principles that that uh, need to be covered. So I'm going to simplify into five points. 
um, and I'm going to talk, talk about those five points briefly and um, show you how to make a proper amends. Uh, that's the, the point of um, repairing our damage is to make an apology to people that would convey the principles that were being shown here, how to correct the harm that we've done to other people. And so the five points are, and I'm going to read them to you, um, and then I'm going to go back and review them. Um, and of course, you know, please uh, be reminded that this is a recorded meeting, so if you have um, any questions or anything, you could go back to the recording and take notes on this, okay? So step, uh, the first point is um, we want to make a specific statement of offending behavior. Uh, number two, an acknowledgement that it was harmful. Um, point number three, an assumption of responsibility for both the behavior and harm done. Number four, admission of regret. And number five, my commitment not to repeat the behavior and if necessary, restitution. So, um, well, you, you might be asking, well, where, where does the big book cover these points? Well, I'm going to... I'm going to go briefly over that. On page 77, we start off with the first point, the specific offending behavior. So, it, you know, it's, it's showing us here that we're not going to be vague about our amendments to people. Um, it says our, on page, sorry, a minute, lost my page here. <laughs> um, on page 77, the purpose of making an amends is, is to be of real purpose is to fit ourselves to be of maximum service to God and people about us. Um, it also is to announce our convictions with tact and common sense. So we're going to, our specific offending behaviors, we're going to announce our convictions. We're going to do it with tact and common sense. We're going to specify what the harm was that we did to this person, right? So we want to be as specific as, as possible. We don't want to be generic. And I'm going to give you the example of my amends to my mother because I think um, that'll help. You know, I think a lot of people relate with mommy issues. And, um, and, I, and I took this one out specifically to show the, the right way and the wrong way to, to make these amends. When I'm doing a specific um, amends, it says in the big book on page 77 that we look at our side of the street, um, you know, and do not, and stick to our own stuff, and do not find faults in others. Our, their, their faults are not to be discussed. And so this is the wrong way uh, to, to make this amends. Um, uh, Mom, uh, I, I want to tell you that I want to apologize um, for being uh, bitter towards you, resentful. Um, um, I, I'm, I hated you for pulling my hair, for hitting me, for throwing me against the wall, for not doing the dishes, for uh, mistreating me, for robbing me of my childhood uh, memories uh, uh, and, and robbing me from, from my childhood um, innocence. Uh, so that, that's just a couple of things that we don't want to say um, because it's not airing our laundry about what they did, but it's taking responsibility for the harm that we did to them. So one of the things that I, I have to do when I'm doing the specific offending behavior is saying, you know, Mom, I, I want to apologize for being verbally abusive to you, 
for uh, keeping you out of um, social events, you know, not inviting you to that, withholding my affections from you, and not paying you back money that I owed you. So that is very, very specific as to what I'm making the amends for. Point number two is an acknowledgement that it was harmful. Um, in the big book on page um, 77, it says that the man is sure to be impressed with his sincere desire to set right the wrong. He is going to be more interested in the demonstration of goodwill than the talk of spiritual discoveries. And then also for point number two, um, on page 81, it says, we are sorry for what we have done. And on page 83, it says, uh, a remorseful mumbling that we are sorry won't fit the bill at all. So we get to say we're sorry, but we're not going to do it in the wrong way. We're, we're going to um, uh, shy away from acknowledging that we have harmed others. The great thing about making direct amends is that you get to look them straight in the eye and tell them exactly, you know what, I, I acknowledge, Mom, that I hurt you by these actions, by 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 holding my affections from you, from not inviting you to places, um, from holding the resentment towards you, holding the fear towards you. Um, and that's very, very specific, and yet I'm acknowledging that I did the hurt, and I'm taking the responsibility for that. Um, you know, I can do this amends and not admit my remorse and, and, and not admit the harm that I've done to others, and I, I don't want to be able to do that. Uh, moving on to the third point is the assumption of responsibility for both the behavior and the harm done. You know, I'm going to look at um, at my, on um, page 78, it says we look resolutely at our faults, we stick to our own, his faults are not to be discussed, and we also sweep our side of the street realizing that nothing else is worthwhile. So I'm going to take, and also on Another point that I wanted to express is on page, where is it, on page um, 67, it talks about my character defects. On page 69, it talks about my character defects, but I'm also going to express in page 77 my former ills of feeling. And so that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to look at my side of the street, and one of the things that I have my sponsors and I do myself when I do the 10 step is I look at where I have been selfish, dishonest, self-seeking, considerate, and, um, and fearful. And one of the ways I did this amends with my mom was, you know, I'm sorry that, you know, um, I want to acknowledge and take responsibility for the fact that I was selfish. You know, I wanted you to be different. Um, the dishonesty is that I, um, I thought that you could be different and that you could be a better mom. Um, and you are who you are, and I was expecting too much from you. Um, the self-seeking is I'm going to try to control the situation by not inviting you to places, by not, um, you know, seeking you out, by not giving you affection, right, uh, because I'm trying to control the outcome of how I'm going to shape and mold you. Um, then the fear is that I will not get my needs met. When in reality, the dishonesty is also that God is, is the one who meets all my needs. So I need to be reliant on God versus people, including my mother. And the inconsideration is that I never paid her back the money. Um, and also the fact that I uh, 
mistreated her. Uh, I was verbally abusive, and I was also um, inconsiderate by keeping her out of family events. So that is the assumption of responsibility. I'm going to say that to my mother. Um, The fourth step is, the fourth point is a mission of regret. So I did this behavior, but I'm not regretful. What is regret? Uh, Regret is a remorse or deep moral anguish, um, you know, that, that needs to be conveyed through our emotions. And, you know, when I express this regret, I say to my mother at this point, I regret my behavior. I regret the way I've treated you. And I show that with fellow feelings. Um, For some people, they tear up. Other people are expressing it with a genuine desire to be helpful. And we don't come at this point in time with fear or resentment because if you do it with fear and resentment, it's going to come across that way. And then you're going to have to do the amends again. So I didn't want to do my amends again, so I, I made sure that I... I did it right the first time. <laughs> then the fifth point is my commitment not to repeat the behavior and, if necessary, to make restitution. So that's found on page 81. Um, it says here, we are sorry for what we have done, and God willing, it shall not be repeated. Um, so we're not going to repeat the behavior as far as it depends, you know, on us getting connected with God. And, you know, and that's the thing. We will not repeat the behavior because God is going to give us the strength and he's going to give us the direction to get connected enough not to repeat that behavior. But at this point in time, I owed my mom a restitution, an amends financial restitution, so I had to pay her back money. And one of the things that I had to do was pay back with interest. So if I owe her let's say uh, $50, I, I put in the 10% or whatever the, the um, calculation of interest, the adjusted interest was for that year, and I paid her back the money. So um, that also meant that I did not get to buy anything um, or, you know, or um, um, get something else while I'm doing this amends, right? It's, it's about not buying anything unless I'm meeting my basic needs. So this will give me the opportunity to to make the amends the proper way and go in with humility. So just to close it up, um, you know, if you go through these five points, and and I mentioned some of the principles there, um, you should, by the time you get to the um, promises, these promises should be a check mark of whether you made the amends correctly. Because the amends, uh, I mean, the promises will be an indicator whether you did the amends right. If those promises haven't come true for you, then that means you need to go back to your amends, review what you have done, and, um, and do it in the order that's described, and all these promises will come true. It says they will materialize, sometimes slowly, sometimes quickly, but they will if you work for them. And um, I think I've come to the end of my time. Thank you so much for the opportunity to share my experience with that pass. Thank you very much, Du. And panelist number two, Becca W. from Maryland. Hi, Leah. Um, hello, Vision for You. This is Becca W., and I'm a gratefully recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. Um, thanks so much, Du. That was lovely listening to you. And um, I'm going to touch on a few things because it's important in this program, as we know, um, and to be true in the big book, too. You know, Bill says 
kind of the same thing in many different ways, we, we need to hear it that way. So I'm going to touch on uh, the very, very important um, subject of the steps as well, but um, I'm going to give us an example of an amends that I did. It was my, my biggest amends, actually. But, you know, let's, let's start kind of at the beginning. You know, when we come into OA, we're looking for a solution, and we think our problem is the food, yet we also think that the solution is the food. I heard in a meeting yesterday something that just blew me away. Someone said, because, um, you know, we, that we eat in order to get a feeling, but we eat in order to get rid of a feeling. It can really be that simple if you think about it, you know, and that's, that's what we think we're doing with the food. You know, there's some kind of void maybe that, that we're trying to fill up. We're trying to get a certain sensation. We're trying to get rid of a certain sensation. So we think that our solution is the food. Um, when we begin working these steps, we know that the solution is now our higher power that fills those voids rather than us going to an addictive substance to do that. So, you know, when we begin studying the doctor's opinion, we find out that our real problem here is the buildup of human emotions. And that because we identify as an addict, as a compulsive overeater, we have a twofold illness. We have an allergy of the body, meaning when we put certain foods, certain substances, ingredients in our body, something physically happens. Um, it triggers a craving that makes us want more of that food. It's also coupled by a mental twist in our minds. And that's, you know, when we talk about the insanity, repairing the insanity, when we have those thoughts going round and round and round in our head and we think about food all day long, you know, there's a way to repair that thinking. There's a way to heal it. And that's what the steps do for us, you know. And as you've heard, putting down the food is just a beginning, but a beginning. And then the real work starts. You know, the steps are a guide to rearranging ourselves into the people that God intends us to be so we can be useful to others. And they're structured in a way that brings this spiritual awakening. You know, today we're looking at step nine. We direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. So why is it important for us to make these amends? You know, it's because we need to unblock ourselves. We need to clear a space so that God can fill us up. And when we're powered by God, we have purpose and we're most useful to others. So how do the steps help us identify the amends that we need to make? You know, well, step one through three is the foundation. We learn how to begin being in lockstep with God. Step two is so important. I believe, you know, step two is the foundation. If we don't have a solid two, we will fall apart in one of the other steps. So step two is like defining who our higher power is. We get to create. We get to say, who do I want to be and how do I need God to get me there? You know, we begin, like, trusting with baby steps, you know, that relationship. And if we're on step four and we don't have God powering us, we're doing that inventory ourselves. And we're missing a big component, which is a lot of the stuff that's been buried for a long time. And so we need God to help us uncover things that are really, really deep. And they're really hiding. They're in those nooks and crevices of, of ourselves, our mind, body, and spirit. 
So we get to identify the root of the emotional buildup in this step. We take inventory of it. In step five, we let go of that emotional buildup and we start seeing things from a new perspective. We change the story, if you will, that we've been telling ourselves for so long. And in step six, we get to identify our character defects. You know, we get to realize what assets we have. But when looking at the character defects, we're going to ensure that we don't repeat the past, that the patterns that we've had in the past that were driven by our character defects, we're going to take a detour from that. You know, and if we look at the path of God being, you know, our, our design, you know, we trudge the road of happy destiny. If that's our design that God has outlined for us. And when we kind of like work through our character defects, we go off into the thorn bushes on the side. And then, you know, over here we see this house in the woods and maybe a witch lives in it. I don't know. It, it looks like danger, but we start walking towards it anyway. Well, this ensures that we're not working through those character defects anymore. We're aligned with God, and he's working through our assets. We're not going to repeat those automatic default patterns of getting off the path again. And in step seven, we acknowledge that God is in control, not us, and that we need his help to now live through our assets. We need his help to be useful to others. So when he reorganizes us in this way in seven, I believe we're recovered at that point. And now we're able to build our step eight list from our step four list inventory. As you said, we don't recreate the wheel. It's already there for us. We just have to kind of look down and say, okay, who, who needs to be on this list? Who do I need to make amends with? And that leads us to nine, where we're ready to make those amends. And we've talked to our sponsors when we were going over our list. And when I work with my sponsees, I have them break it down into three levels, you know, short, medium, and long-term amends. What can I do right now? Like, what are things that I can do? These short things that I can get right off my list. And I can unblock all of that stuff, you know, so that I'm closer to God. And medium, we have to think about a little bit more. You know, we have to look at them and say, okay, this might take a little more tact. It might take a little more time. But we, we make a plan for those. And the long terms, those are, those are usually where we really have to calculate either what we're going to say or the approach we're going to take. That's why we have a sponsor. We don't just go out and start making amends because we feel good when we're on, you know, step five or whatever. No, we wait. As you said, there is a process here, and, and it builds over time. And we need the power that we're gaining from God with each step in order to do these amends properly. So how do we get ourselves to a place where we need to make these amends? You know, it's our resentments, it's our fears, and the harms we've done to others that causes a buildup of these human emotions. If we look at resentments, I see them in three major layers, right? You have your surface, you have your significant, and you have your seething. Now, surface, a surface resentment can be processed almost immediately, especially if you're in recovery. You know, someone looks at us the wrong way, and it's like instead of, you know, being like carrying that through our whole day and thinking about why they might have done that and no, we, we're like, oh, well, maybe they're having a bad day or, or maybe they were about to sneeze. I don't know, but we don't take it personally and we're able to kind of just let that roll off. 
a significant could be something like, um, you know, an email is sent to you and it has some constructive criticism or, or it is straight up criticizing you. And let's say someone important is copied on that email. You know, that could lead to something significant where then we have to call a fellow and do a formal step 10. This is if you're already in recovery and you've had your spiritual awakening. You know, we have our step, step 10 buddies and we call someone or we call our sponsor. You know, and we're able to process that. Okay, where was I selfish, self-seeking, dishonest, fearful, inconsiderate? You know, what? It, what is? where were my character defects? What, what does God want for me now going forward? We're able to process that and let it go and unblock ourselves from God so that we're closer to him. But these seething resentments are so dangerous, and that's the third layer, layer. And they're usually the root of our amends list items. You know, my most significant amends that I'm going to talk to you about today was, was, you know, a seething, seething resentment. And I allowed that buildup of emotions. I, I had a friend, we'll call her Amanda, right? And she, um, she and I were friends in high school. And we were in the band together and, you know, we used to hang out all the time and, um, you know, after we graduated from college and everything like that, she kind of moved a number of towns later, maybe 25 minutes away. So what happened was I would always call her when I was in her area. I would always call her to hang out, and she would never call me. And at the time, I was married, and my husband pointed that out to me. She never called you, you know. Well, that started the resentment right there. I saw it in a different way. Before, I was just like, I didn't, I was just like, let's hang out with Amanda. Well, now I'm saying, I'm paying attention. I'm like, you know what? She does never call me. I do always call her resentment. And one time I got really sick. I ended up having um, a cyst burst. And I didn't, before it burst, I didn't know what was going on, but I was really sick. And my husband had called her and said, can you, can you be with her? You know, she was a teacher and she was off in the summer and this happened in the summer. And he left a voicemail for her and she never called back. Another resentment. But what happened was she was getting married, and she didn't have many people to be in her wedding, and she asked me to be in her wedding. And I said, yes, I had never been in a wedding before. I knew nothing about it. And, you know, I, some people said, oh, it's really expensive to be in a wedding. Well, that's a fear right there. And that started building up. And then I started working with her bridesmaids and her maid of honor at the time, I thought she was a nightmare. And everything I suggested, she said no. And, and that was a huge resentment. I couldn't stand being near her. I, you know, I wanted, like you're supposed to get a big gift, I guess, for the bride, like the bridesmaids are. And I, and I, knew, she, I knew Amanda wanted this, um, you know, mixer, right? And I was like, oh, we should buy this right now before anybody. Well, someone else took it. And we ended up getting her these dishes or something that was less significant. That's a resentment right there. That was my idea, and you didn't take it. And look what happened. I told you so, right? So I've got these resentments and these fears. And then we had to pick a dress, you know? And so I had been losing weight at the time, some diet that I was on. And I had been losing weight, and I ordered a dress that was a little bit small for me. And what ended up happening was it it fit around the waist, but it didn't fit around my breast line. And what I had to do was take material that was used from other dresses when they were altering it and put darts in so that it would fit my breast area. But that material was supposed to be used, I guess, to wrap around flowers that she was supposed to walk down the aisle with. 
well, I had this fear about the dress not fitting because it had to be altered. And so while it was being altered, I, I was wondering if it would even fit me. And this was a harm that I did to her. She was intending to use this material for something else. So now I've got resentment, fear, and harms building up. And now the dress comes in, and, and it kind of fits, but it's, now it's too big in the, in, the, in the breast area. And we're on the wedding day, and her mother's like sewing the dress to my undergarment so that I'm not spilling out and showing the world what I have up top. And, and another harm happens because she's supposed to be spending that time with her daughter, getting her ready for her big day. But no, she's sewing up my dress line. You know, so all these things are building up. And I'm starting to get uncomfortable with the whole situation. So what do I do? I stuffed myself with food and drink. I thought that that was my solution. And if you look at page 35 in the big book, we have Jim's story. And this completely reminds me of Jim's story. Because we see this buildup of emotion that's happening with Jim. It's ironic on page 36 when we see the word suddenly at the beginning of one of those paragraphs. It's not suddenly. It's not suddenly at all, but his insane thinking thinks it's suddenly. No, it's not. There was a buildup of emotions. He had to work at, at a place where he once owned that place. You know, he was irritable. He came in on a Tuesday. That's the joke, right? Where was he on Monday? There was a lot of stuff going on for him. He let resentments, fears, and other harms build up. And so we find here that the solution for him was not the alcohol. It caused more problems. He went into the sanitarium again. And so for me, the food was, was not a solution because I was sitting there with all of the other guests and I was being completely inappropriate, uh, inappropriate at the table. I had so much sugar running through me. And at the time, I was le- allowing myself to drink alcohol. And I had drank way too much. And I, I was never really a drinker. But that was my solution. That's how I was coping. And I was so inappropriate at that table with the rest of the guests. I was causing such a scene that during the father-daughter dance, you know, no one was paying attention to her and her father. They were looking at me. And I ended up leaving early because I couldn't deal with the situation. And I'm sure I had responsibilities as a bridesmaid to stay till the end and pack up gifts and put them in her car, whatever. I'm sure I had responsibility there. Seven years went by. I didn't talk to her. She didn't reach out to me. I didn't reach out to her. There was no apology at all. And I let this block me from God. I let it block me all those years. And so when I came into program and I was able to take my inventory and I was able to talk with my sponsor about all of this, you know, I was, I, it, was, it was an opportunity for me to look at my side, which was so important. Because I cannot do this amends unless I'm rearranged. And I cannot be rearranged unless I do these steps in order. You know, and our real purpose is to fit ourselves to be of maximum service to God and the people about us. Page 77, and do touched on that too. It's so important. That is our purpose. I didn't know what my purpose was for years. My purpose is to help others. And the way that I do that is to keep in fit spiritual condition. So I do these steps to put me in a position where I'm ready to make the amends. 
Okay? And so when I made the amends to her, I'll share with you what I said. I was not in a position to do it in person. I was, I, my sponsor and I decided I could not wait on this one. I had to get rid of this one because it was holding me back. Now, this person that I'm calling Amanda, she lived in another state, and I wasn't traveling to that state anytime soon. So I decided to write to her, and I said, I want to apologize for the harm I caused you surrounding your wedding a number of years ago. I was more than inappropriate. My behavior was uncalled for, I was out of control, and I disrespected your special day. I take full responsibility for the disruption that I caused, and I'm truly sorry if I ruined your day in the spotlight. I am not expecting you to respond. My intentions are not to repair our relationship necessarily. I just want you to know that I acknowledge what I did. If I could take my behavior on that day back, I would in a heartbeat. Just know I've been thinking about this for years but have made peace with my own wrongdoing and am now at a point where I can apologize freely and honestly to you. I hope you and your family have a wonderful holiday season and that only health, happiness, and success are a part of your lives. I was able to freely give that away and mean that. I had to be in a position to mean that in order for it to come across sincerely. And the only way that I could mean that, the only way I could bring myself to do that was to look at my character defects, was to see where I went wrong. It's so important. It's so important to just take this program seriously, to rearrange ourselves. You'll live a life that you never expected you could live. And part of this, part of this, many people fear step nine. It's not something to be feared. It's a release. It brings us closer to God. That space that was being taken up by that resentment, fear, harms, all that, all that stuff, that buildup of emotion, that's now cleared out. And guess what? God fills that up now. That's that much more power that I'm getting from God to do the right thing, to be of maximum service to others. And so what ended up happening was she wrote back to me and she said, Rebecca, I've been thinking about you for years and I was mad for some time, but you know what? I let all of that go and I'm so glad you're in my life today. And we went back and forth with, with different emails, sharing about wonderful times that we had together. And we were both able to let it go. And sometimes it just takes one person to shift to be able to admit that they did something wrong and that they were sorry for it, for everything to be released. And that's what we're looking to do. We're looking to release. We're looking to get rid of, of all the stuff that's stuck to our past, that story that we've been telling ourselves for so long, to remap that, to be reorganized, to be new people, and go out and repair relationships and make new relationships in a new way. That's the beauty of this step. So I encourage you all, if you're, if, you're, if you're not out there doing these steps yet, if you haven't found a sponsor, if you haven't even put the food down yet, just begin. Just do it. It's so worth it. My life is completely different and do touch upon the promises. And I'll just say, those promises come true for me. And they are a measurement. 
if I'm if I'm sliding in this program for some reason and I read those promises and they're not true, I've got work to do. And I've got more work to do today than I did yesterday. And I've got more work to do tomorrow than I did today. And and this is why step ten is so important. As my sponsor says, you know, it's one of the most underutilized steps along with step two. It's if we're not doing step ten, we have to do this process all over again. We have to reconnect with God, then go through four and, and four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and here we are again doing these amends again. Step 10 is so important because step 10 clears us every day. It's part of this clearing process. And then we're able to connect in 11 to fill ourselves with our higher power, and he powers us to help other people in 12. So I hope this was encouraging for you all. Um, it's a pleasure to be on this line today, and thank you all. Have a wonderful day. I passed. Thank you very much, Becca W. I now welcome Julie R. to the line. Hi, this is Julie R., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in California. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give three specific amends that I made and point in the big book, you know, the directions. Thank goodness I have directions. So first... On page 76, it says we subjected ourselves to a drastic self-appraisal. Now we go out to our fellows and repair the damage done in the past. You know, this doesn't say, oh, I'm going to go in there and say, you know what, I'm really sorry for my behavior. It's because I'm a compulsive overeater and I was abused as a child and blah, blah, blah. No, I'm going to clean up my side of the street. So I'm going to start off with uh, uh, my sister, Linda. She's 11 years older than me. And we've always had this on and off relationship. So on page 77, it says, nevertheless, with the person we dislike, we take the bit in our teeth. It is harder to go to an enemy than to a friend, but we find it much more beneficial to us. We go to him in a helpful and forgiving spirit, confessing our former ill feelings and expressing our regret under no conditions do we criticize such a person or argue? Simply, we tell them that we will never get over drinking until we have done our utmost to straighten out the past. I am here to sleep off my side of the street. So I'm going to tell you how it went wrong. Uh, about 10 years ago, I went to the steps again, and I made an appointment with my sister, Linda, and said I needed to talk to her about some things in my past. And we sat down, and I basically told her, you know, I know that you're really sick and that, yeah, we were all had the same parents. And even though you are so messed up, I want to tell you, I'm sorry for my wrongs. Well, you can imagine what happened. It was not a pretty sight. And um, hence, we walked away uh, in the same shape that we were before. So fast forward to um, after I got out of my last relapse and going through the steps, Linda popped up again go figure because we've never cleaned up our, our stuff. So I called her up. This is the midst of our father um, dying and I'm the executor. I called her up and I said, you know, Linda, I, I'd like to uh, make an appointment with you to talk to you about some things that I need to speak with you. And so I prayed. I did exactly what the big book said. I came with a forgiving spirit so what I did is beforehand, though I had my little eight, my four by six card, specifically noting what were my harms 
because I have a, a built-in forgetter, right? I want to look at Linda, but no, this is about me. So I wrote down, leading her out of activities, not visiting her once I said I was going to stop by, only calling her when I needed something, passive-aggressive behavior, flaunting my relationship with my other sister, Mary, who we are best friends, putting her down without really putting her down. So I had my little card with me in case I got off track. So we met up at the restaurant. As I was walking towards her, I saw her sitting there. And I can see that it um, might not go the way I want it to go. So I prayed, God, let me be humble. Let me speak your words. Let me clean up the wreckage of my past. So on, on page 77, like I said already, it's harder to go to an enemy. She's not my enemy, but she's never been, it's never been a good relationship. So I went, and I went with a forgiving heart, and I wanted to stick to my issues. So I began to say that I regretted my actions. I know they caused harm and distress, and what can I do to repair the damage? I do not use the word sorry because I use sorry all the time like it was water. Sorry, I'm sorry I did this. I'm sorry I did that. And um, I was hoping that Linda would be able to accept it because I was coming from a, a caring, giving state. But boy, she let me have it. She actually yelled and screamed and pointed out behaviors that I had even forgotten that I had done. And I sat there with restraint of tongue because this is not something that I can stop. I did what I needed to do, and she had to basically tell me what she thought. So we walked away from that exchange. We hugged, and then our relationship today is not uh, closed, but it, I don't have any baggage. I was able to go there with an open heart, make my amends, and try not to repeat those behaviors. And for the most part, I've been able to do that. I've had a couple of times where I started to have some of those things, things come out, but I quickly called on God and was able to um, not do that. So... Amends are so important because the big book clearly states that I am not going to be able to get over drinking, eating, if I do not clear away the wreckage of my past. So another amends I wanted to talk about is a, a money one because the big book kind of is great because it gives me total examples. This is about an expense account. And on page 78, it says, maybe it's only a petty offense, such as padding an expense account. So here, you know, I worked at the same company for 31 years. I traveled constantly, and we got a per diem, and um, you know, you're supposed to have your receipts, but, you know, when I would travel to Europe and stuff, I sometimes I didn't keep my receipts or I lost them, whatever. So when I would do my expense account, I would just kind of do the maximum and say, oh, yeah, I lost my receipts or this and that because I felt justified, right? Oh, you know, they're taking away my weekends. I have to travel all the time. So when I was going through the amends process and I put that down, that's dishonesty. So I had fear, fear of what? Fear of how would they accept my amends. 
you know, how am I going to look? They're not going to trust me. What will people think? Will I get reprimanded? But I have to remember on page 79, it says, reminding ourselves that we have decided to go to any length to find a spiritual experience. We ask that we be given strength and directions to do the right thing no matter what the personal consequences are or may be. We may lose our position or our reputation or face jail, but we are willing. We have to be. So I was getting my a yearly performance review, which um, was always the, the exceeds or whatever because, you know, of course, I have to be perfect. And at the end of that, when my director said, is there anything you want to tell me? You know, what can, how can I help you do your job, et cetera? And I prayed and because I didn't know how this was going to be perceived. And I said, you know, um, I just want to let you know that I've been dishonest with my expense accounts. I, you know, would, didn't know how much money I spent, and I always put the maximum amount, and I know that that's not true. It probably equates to maybe 500 to to $1,000. I had no way of telling you because I mean, I've been with the company for 31 years. And I just said, God, your will, not mine, be done. And my director laughed. wasn't exactly what I was expecting. And I looked at her, and she said, you've got to be kidding. You're telling me this? Like, you don't think everybody else does that? And that wasn't the point. But the point was, it doesn't matter if everybody else does that. It's that I did it and it was wrong. So I cleaned up my side of the street. I got through my fear. I said it. I didn't know what the ramifications were going to be. And she said there was, and I said, what can I do to make this right? Because I have to make it right. I just can't say I did this behavior. It's done. It's over. I have to make restitution. And she basically said there's nothing that I can do. So I talked to my sponsor about it. How can I pay back 500 to to $1,000 to something? So what we agreed upon is um, every time I would go to the grocery store, I would buy extra groceries and keep it in my car. And when I would see a homeless person, I would pull over and give them the bag. So I did that for months, for in months, to make sure that I got to that $1,000 mark. Um, was it paying back my, you know, $800 million company? No, because they didn't want it. But I needed to do it. I needed to make restitution because I, Julie, cannot get over on something because that's just another check mark. Okay, done, over. No, I had to make amends. I want to get well. I want to stay well. And if I do not do this, I will get back into the food. So that's um, example number two. The third one um, is, I'm just going to read a little bit on um, page 69. It talks about, or not page 69, sorry, page 81. But drinking does complicate sex relations in the home. Whatever the situation, we usually have to do something about it. If she knows in a general way that we have been wild, do we tell her in detail? Undoubtedly. We should admit our faults. So, you know, no matter how I was going to approach my amends with my husband, it was going to be very painful. So what I did is I connected with my God. I asked for strength. And I went to my husband when I was, I, and I was directed. 
I didn't set a specific time. I waited until my God directed me. And we were sitting on the couch together. And I knew it was time. I needed to let my husband that I had resumed um, an affair, which I already knew he knew, and that I wanted to repair the damage that I had caused. And I asked him, what, what can I do to rebuild your faith and your trust in me? So on, on page 82 and 83, it's so clear. You know, it talks about the alcoholic as like a tornado roaring his way through the lives of others. Hearts are broken. Sweet relationships are dead. Affections have been uprooted. Selfish and inconsiderate habits have kept the home in turmoil. We feel a man isn't thinking when he says that sobriety is enough. So for me, it was a lot of turmoil, a lot of pain. And I came and I said, what can I do? Tell me what I can do. And on page 83, it says, yes, there is a long period of reconstruction ahead. We must take the lead. A remorseful mumbling that we are sorry won't fill the bill at all. We ought to sit down with the family and frankly analyze the past as we now see it. Become very careful not to criticize. Um, So we talked. And I put certain things in place. I put... um, Anytime I had to have a conversation with this other person because of my work, it, we have to work together. I would um, copy somebody else on the email. If I needed to call the person, I would call in front of one of my employees. Um, we, we were able to get through this only by living the program. But on also what I wanted to say on page 69, it talks about sex ideal. We ask God to mold our ideas and help us live up to them. Whatever our ideal turns out to be, we must be willing to grow towards it. We must be willing to make amends for we have done harm, providing that we do not bring about still more harm in so doing. So what is this sex ideal? Well, I came up with that when I was doing my... Um, Inventory, it is to wear appropriate clothing, not to engage in sexual talk with the opposite sex, is to not look up certain people on Facebook, is to talk appropriately with all, is to be available to my husband emotionally, spiritually. So I have that on a card so that I do not forget. Because again, I said that earlier, I had a built-in forgetter. So I have a sex ideal because I need to have one. The big book tells me I need to. I need to have a sane relationship. So, you know, amends are not a checkoff list. It's the changing of the heart. It's the changing of the spirit. It's the changing of my actions. Because I, at my core, am a selfish, self-centered, human being, but by living and working the principles of this program and the steps and staying in 10, 11, and 12, I get to see my defects and I clean up the streets as fast as I can because I cannot afford to have a resentment. I cannot afford to do that because I will create more harm. 
So today my husband and I um, are still rebuilding, but there is trust. There is faith. And that's not because of me snapping my fingers. It's because I am living my principles. So making amends is not something that I can not do. It says clearly, if I want to get over drinking, this has to be done. I will not experience the freedom until my amends are done, until I'm halfway through. I will not be able to live in the fourth dimension until my amends are done. Financial, so I covered a financial one, uh, one with my sister, and then one with my husband where I caused great harm. So yes, this program works, and I don't have to go into the food. So with that, um, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you very much, Julie R. And our fourth and final panelist is Monica T. Good morning, Leah. Good morning, everyone. My name is Monica T., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Um, Thank you to everyone, and thank you, Du and Becca and Julie, for the wonderful shares you've given. You know, this is pretty hard uh, being the last one on the line here, but here we go. All right, so we're talking about step nine. And what is step nine? Step nine says on page, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Um, And then the other thing, what is an amends? And I looked that up. Amends means to change attitude, to change especially behaviors, to repair damage caused to others. If I, you know, so what does this mean? Well, if I stole money, I pay it back. If I neglected or abused, I treat them with respect. So what are harms? And I looked that up too. Harms, physical or mental damage or injury. Something that causes someone or something to be hurt, broken, made less valuable. So harms here is what I have done to hurt somebody else. It's not about my guilt, my shame, or my feelings. It's what I have done. You know, what did I do? Did I make you feel bad? Did I cause you unnecessary stress? You know, if I'm swearing and yelling at somebody, I think I'm causing some stress there. You know, did I embarrass you? You know, these are all harms. Did I steal from you? These are harms. And then, um, so why do we do, why do I have to do this step nine business? You know, this is scary stuff, you know. We come in and we start reading the steps way in the beginning and it's like, oh my God, I got to go make direct amends when I when I get to nine. So it's kind of scary. Yes, it is. But why do we do this? Well, the big book tells us, you know, to repair damage done in the past on page 76 it tells us that you know i'm cleaning my house this is the last step of the cleaning the big spring cleaning of my house here that i've needed to do for all my life you know why because i'm a compulsive overeater and when i get restless irritable and discontented i'm my default mechanism is i'm going to eat so i need to clean my house so i don't have this stuff in there And I want recovery. You know, I wanted recovery. 
I was sick and tired of being sick and tired of being miserable. And so way back on step three, I made a decision to continue through this process of working the steps so I too could get a spiritual awakening. So I could look at things differently. So I can have a change happen to me, a personality change. So that's why we have to do this, you know. I had to. If I wanted things to be different, I have to clean my house. And then the big book tells us that there's warnings and there's attitudes and there's prayers that go along with this step nine. And uh, a few of the warnings are, you know, we don't, crit- on page 77, and then again on page 83, we see this twice here. We do not criticize or argue. On page 78, we don't try to tell them what they should do. You know, we don't discuss their faults. And you've heard a couple of failures they were mentioned earlier this morning. We don't discuss their faults. We stick to our own. So this is about me, Monica, what I did to hurt you. And then there's the big book talks about some attitudes that are needed here with step nine. Page 77, it mentions a forgiving spirit. 78, if our manner is calm, frank, and open, you know, good things are going to happen. You can't go in there screaming and hollering, Monica. Page 83, sensible, tactful, considerate, and humble. We don't crawl, you know. We don't crawl when we do this. We go to them, we stand upright, and we look them in the eye, and we tell them what we need to tell them. We're not crawling in front of anybody, and this comes from the big book too. All right, and then, so gosh, help me, this doesn't sound like much help here, or I mean much um, fun. We've got, there's some prayers. And three, there are three different prayers of asking God for help with this. You know, remember, I'm powerless. I need some help. God help me. I'm a crazy woman here, and I really need your help. So on page, uh, so three times we see a prayer for help. And on page 76, we see we ask until it comes. If I don't have the will, you know, I'm really clawing and bucking, and I don't want to do this then there's a prayer we ask for the willingness to do this. On page 80, we ask God to help. So we're going to pray, and we're going to um, have these attitudes, and we've got specific warnings of what you don't do and don't say when you make amends. So I was instructed, like was already said, that Step eight is the list, and I was instructed to go back to my original resentment list that I had written way back in the beginning and to copy every person down that I had written there. And then I was instructed to go through and by each person write if this was going to be a direct amends, a living amends, or a letter. And if I had any questions, I was to put a question mark. Because all of this had to be gone over with my sponsor. You have to have a sponsor to be making ninth-step amends. You just, because we don't want to harm anyone. Remember, it said, except when to do so would injure them or others. So you have to go over this and know who you're making direct amends to. Who have you really harmed here? Who have you harmed? 
And then um, living amends, I was instructed. You know, living amends, okay, let's say I, uh, I judged and criticized you in my head. Well, living amends is I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole. And I will be nice. You know, be friendly, Monica. Be kind. Be loving. Be tolerant like the Big Book teaches us. These are living amends. Do something nice for somebody without expecting something back. You know, the, the way we should live every day, living amends. And then the letters, um, a letter was to be written to anyone that I owed a direct amends to that um, I did not know where they were, I could not contact, but I had the willingness to do it if and when it ever came up. And also, um, another thing I did was I wrote a letter to every person who was on my uh, list that had died. Um, that was just a little something extra that I did. Um, so, we write this letter. And I was also told that before I did any direct amends, I write a letter. And I write a letter and I reviewed it, I read it to my sponsor, and this was to make sure, again, that I did not say anything in there that would harm them, that I wasn't, once again, pointing my finger at them, because this is all about me um, that I am trying to work with here. All right, so what happens with making amends? Oop, I've skipped, I've skipped here. Um, okay, let's go back to the letter. So I was given... Five different things that I should have in my letter when I wrote this letter. Number one, what am I doing and why am I doing this? And I, I will read you a sample of one of my um, amends letters uh, about that. Number two, exactly what I did. How did I harm you? You know, so I, I looked at my turnarounds. I looked at my selfishness. I looked at my dishonesty, especially my self-seeking. I, I had, a, you know, my self-seeking um, actions, you know. What did I do there? And, for, and fears. So what did I do? How did I harm them? And then number three, I was to offer whatever I could to make amends. Now, how can I make this right? You know, well, I stole from you. I'm going to repay you this certain amount, da-da-da-da-da. You know, be very specific. From this point on, I am not going to call her and yell at you. I am not going to call you names. I'm not going to embarrass you. What am I going to do? I have to show that I'm changing, you know. So we ask them. So I admit my faults, and I'm willing to change my behavior. And I also was to ask them what else I could do. And I was also at number four, I was to ask them if there was anything else I had done to harm them. And I was told to just shut up and listen to what they had to say. And I was not to say anything, you know, if they unloaded on me. Keep your mouth shut, Monica. And then, when they were done, ask, how can I set things right? And then the fifth step, the fifth thing in my letter was to tell them something that I admired about them. You know, to come up with something. It might be hard. It might, but something that I could honestly say I admired about them, I liked them. And why do I do this? Well, this is another way of being helpful to someone. You know, we all love to hear something nice that we do or say that somebody admires about us. You know, we like to get those little strokes. 
So I was told that was a way to end that. And of course, you know, to thank them. So I've got my letter written. I've gone over it with my sponsor. And she says, okay, now you're ready to go out and do make your amends. So what do we, so what do, we do then? Well, I was to call and set up an appointment and pray pray before I go do this amend. Have my little letter before me or a three-by-five card with my notes. Uh, bring that with me. Know what I'm going to say because I've already got it written. And pray before I go and go and make the amends. Now, my first amend. well, this wasn't my first amend. This is an amends letter that I wrote, and this was a direct amends letter that I made to someone that I worked with. Now, I had been working as a cardiac rehab nurse for six, seven years, and I was hired. You know, I'm the spoiled little rotten thing here, and I was hired with the understanding that I could have my summers off every summer to go to Vermont, which I did for many years, and then things changed. And I came back from Vermont one September, and I was told that I could no longer do that. They allowed me to work until the following spring, until May. So I've learned about this in September, and I worked until the end of May. So you can imagine little Monica here. She was quite resentful, you know. My perfect job was going away, and I blamed the girls around me. And I was not real pretty. I tried to be nice, but there was times when those little claws came out and blah, 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 blah. So here we go. Dear Sue, as you know, I am a member of OA, a 12-step program of recovery. And part of my recovery process is reviewing my past, realizing how my selfish actions have harmed you and attempting to set matters right. I want to make amends to you for putting you in an uncomfortable position of having to listen to me whine and carry on and blame the other nurse for no longer being able to have my summers off and in my eyes, losing my job. I was selfish, dishonest, and unfair to place you in a position of listening to me. I was selfish and unfair in placing you in the middle of all this. I used you unfairly to try and make me feel better, and doing so, I must have made you so uncomfortable. Karen, Sue, I greatly admire you. Your love and concern for our patients was always so open. Thank you for all the wonderful years of fun and laughs and seriousness we had together in cardiac rehab. I'm so grateful to you and for your help. Is there anything else that I have done to harm you or your family? Can I do anything else to repair the damage I have caused and set matters right? Thank you for being my friend, and I love you, and I wish you happiness always. Um. And I messed up the uh, order there because the last thing was where I I gave her the, the good strokes. Um, so what happens when we make these amends? You know, we have a, you walk out of the, majority of my amends, I walked out feeling great, super on top of the world. Uh, felt good, you know, release, release, freedom from all this stuff that I had kept inside that I wasn't even aware of until I went through this process. All I knew was that I was always so uneasy. And what did I do when I felt uneasy? I ate. And I wanted to pull out that um, the ninth step promises on 
page 83 and 84. They tell us that these are going to come about before we are halfway through making our ninth step amends. And I definitely, after I had made a couple of direct amends, um, saw these promises happening. And these promises, um, you know, are the opposite of the bedevilments on page 52. Remember back 31 pages earlier, we were having trouble with personal relations. We couldn't control our emotional nature. We were praying, uh, prey to misery and depression. We couldn't make a living. We were full of fear. We were unhappy. We couldn't seem to be a real help to other people. You know? Wow. Yeah, I identified with all that stuff when I was on page 52. And now, on pages 83 and 84, what am I seeing? What changes are hap- have happened or are happening? You know? We lose interest in selfish things. We comprehend the word serenity, and we will know peace. Our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. Fear of people and economic insecurity will leave us. That feeling of uselessness and self-pity where I lived will disappear. We're going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. Yeehaw! You know, I looked for this all my life. And, most of all, we suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. And another wonderful thing about making Ninth Step Amends, you know, is many times in our doing this, that other person gets relief. That other person gets healing too. So wonderful. Now, the big book does tell us, it says, now, if things don't go as, as planned, you know, if you get thrown out of the office, it's okay. The important thing is you have done your part. That's what it says on page 78. You have done your part. This was about me cleaning my house. I had to clean my house if I wanted to find some peace and freedom and serenity. And I'm going to end with, on page 84... I love this last paragraph, and this is what got me through when I was doing the work, doing all the writing of my four-step inventory, and working through these steps, and and getting here to step nine. It says, are these extravagant promises? We think not. They are being fulfilled among us, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. And this is what I hung on to here. This is a promise in black and white in the big book. They will always, doesn't say sometimes, it doesn't say maybe, it says always materialize if we work for them. And the other thing I noticed there, you know what? It doesn't say anything about being perfect. And this has definitely been a process for me. And it's a continuing process. And I haven't done it perfect, and I never will. But I did the work. I took the actions. I continued to plug along. Why? Because I was sick and tired of being sick and tired, and I wanted recovery. I wanted what these other people I saw and heard who had gone through the process and had been given a spiritual awakening. I wanted this promise. They told me, Monica, if you do this work, this is going to happen for you. And with that, I pass. Thank you very much, Monica. Thanks to all our panelists this morning thank you so much for all you gave Uh, your personal experience is so valuable 
Contact information for our panelists will be given at the conclusion of this recording. We'll now uh, transition to question and answers. Uh, please unmute by pressing star 1. Identify yourself in order to pose your question. Good morning. This is Marie M. in Michigan. Hi, Marie. One moment. Let's gather a couple others if there are any. Anyone else? Questions for our panelists this morning? Teresa A. in D.C. Teresa. Anyone else? Okay, let's start with Marie M. And good morning. And this is not specific to a share that I uh, appreciated this morning, but a sponsee asked me this question, and I found myself wanting somebody else to answer it. What is the difference between surrender and discipline? Um, I mean control and discipline. If we're supposed to give up control, but we're supposed to have discipline. She asked me the difference, and I'm just the panelists sound so experienced. I thought perhaps somebody would be willing to give their opinion on that. Hi, Leah. This is Becca W. I'd like to answer that. Please go ahead, Becca. Okay. Um, thank you so much for your question. Um, so control and discipline. Um, so for me, control is self-will. Control is when I decide um, how it should be, how it should look, what I should do, how I should uh, affect others, how I should manipulate, um, how I'm going after what I want. Um, so in this program, what I learn is um, it's pretty scary to give up control. You know, it's like uh, I've said this analogy to sponsees and in shares before where, you know, if you, let's picture yourself as a waiter, right, or if you picture a waiter and that waiter has, plates on each fingertip and their head and, and their knees and wherever it can balance and it's just spinning, 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 spinning. And it's like, okay, in steps two and three, I'm supposed to start taking baby steps to, um, to give over my will and my life, my thinking and my actions to the care of God. So am I just going to say, okay, God, like here we go, I'm going to take a step back and you're going to hold up all these plates for me and keep them spinning. Well, no, this, this program teaches us that we can do this in, in baby steps, that we can build on these baby steps, and, and that leads to a spiritual awakening, right? So if I say, okay, God, see the one on my pinky finger? All right, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull my pinky finger away, and I'm going to trust that you're going to keep that, that plate spinning. Ready, God? Here we go. Ready? One, two, three, and I pull my pinky away, and somehow that plate is still spinning. I've just given up control. I've given up control over that plate. And through this program, I can learn to take away all my fingers and, and lower my head to so the one on my head that's spinning and, and move back my knee so the one spinning on my knee is still spinning. And at some point, I'm just standing aside from all those plates spinning, and God is giving me this perception that he's taking care of everything, and I've let go of the control. Where the discipline comes in is he's now going to tell me when to rest and when to act. 
So sometimes God needs to take over and God needs to arrange things and move things around. Sometimes things are so big that I don't even see how big they are, and that's okay. I have to trust that God is moving things around in my life and going to give me something positive, something better, because he loves me. So in that time, I'm resting. Otherwise, I'm listening, I'm practicing this program, I'm keeping myself cleared, I'm doing my step tens when I need to, I'm letting God fill me up, and then God either taps me on the shoulder or whispers in my ear, I'm still enough to feel that tap and hear that whisper. He says, it's time for you to act, Rebecca. It's time for you to act. And that's where the discipline comes in listening to what God needs me to do because God doesn't have tangible fingers and hands and stuff. No, he only has that when he's working through us and that we are using our fingers and hands to do his work. So the discipline comes in listening to him and saying, even if it's easy, even if it's hard, saying this is God's will for me and I'm going to carry it out. That's my interpretation of the difference between control and, and discipline. Thank you, thank you. Thanks very much, Marie M., for your question. Teresa A., your turn. Hello, am I muted? Yes, go ahead. Okay, wonderful. So um, my question is sparked by do L-Share, but anyone who has any insight, please feel free to chime in. Do, when you share, you talked about making amends to your mother, and one of the things that you made amends for was withholding your affection or something to that extent. And it made me think about something that I'm experiencing right now. So after many years in the program, one of the miracles of programming going through the process was a rehabilitated relationship with my father and that whole side of the family. Lots of things started to open up. We started to communicate, talk, things like that. However, <laughs> um, recently, uh, some, something happened where I just kind of made the command decision um, about a month ago and just said, you know what, communicating with this person is causing too much harm. It opens up me up to too much uh, harm and disappointment. So I decided on January 31st, that's done. I'm done talking to you. I'm not listening to you anymore. And I, I felt that that makes sense because in trying to live a, a life of peace, that that is a, a thing to do. But when I heard you share, I hadn't thought about, you know, the impact of that. You know, my decision to withhold affection in order to protect myself may be causing a harm, which, I mean, maybe it is. But does that, does the intention behind, um, I'm not sure exactly sure how to, how to pose the question, so I'm withholding affection um, in order to protect myself, not to harm someone else, but I'm still responsible if others are harmed, and therefore I owe an amends there. Thanks, Teresa. Do are you available to respond? Yes, I am, Leah. <laughs> Excellent question. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's a process. I, I gotta say it is a process to go through um through this. Um because, you know, on, on page eighty three it says that we're you know, we've been like tornadoes worrying the lives of others and, and then, you know, hearts are broken, sweet relationships are dead, affections are uprooted. And, you know, the theme is there's going to be a long period of reconstruction ahead. Um, you know, and, and that's what I see, you know, when I, I have to especially deal with family. I've had, 
um, a long history of, you know, them causing more harm to me than I have to them. But, you know, this is not about, this is not about looking at the harm they've done to me or holding on to the resentment that they've, they've done to me. You know, it's about letting go and repairing those relationships. And when I said, you know, withholding affection, you know, the big book talks to me about, you know, showing patience, tolerance, kindness, and love towards others. You know, that my attitude and my behavior is going to change. And in step four, it talks about we avoid retaliation or argument. So I'm not going to put myself in a position, you know, to uh, continue that type of relationship, sick relationship, right? I'm called to be a better person, um, even to those who have harmed me, right? You know, it, it's, it's the way that God wants to shape and mold me into the person that I ought to be. Now, do I, you know, mingle around sick people and, you know, bathe myself around sick people? No. <laughs> I don't think that's what the big book is telling us to do. Um, you know, I limit my, my interactions with my mother. Um, you know, uh, is it right? Of course, you know, uh, for me, it's, it's right to limit my association with my mother because she's a very, very sick person. Um, but when I do do have feelings, I, I mean, do have interactions with her, and the times that I do spend time with her, they're very healthy relationships with her, you know. And if you have to um, kind of like uh, wean yourself off of those sick relationships, yes, I, I recommend that very highly, um, you know, um, especially if it's going to cause you to have more resentments and more fears and whatnot. But um, you also have to understand that we have a way out today. You know, when we finish step nine, we go directly to step 10. So when these things do crop up, we're supposed to do a four through nine, which is the 10th step. Um, and, and that's a process also that we need to continue to do, you know, to clean up the ongoing mess that may occur. But again, I would personally, I would not put myself in a, in a position to continue to be hurt. Um, you know, if that's the case, um, you know, but when I do do have interactions with people, I do try to practice these principles and, and come from a place of love, tolerance, compassion, and mercy. I hope that's helpful. That or best. Hi, I'd like to answer that too, if I could, Leah. Thank you, is- Do for your response. Yeah, go ahead, Julie. Hi, it's Julie, covered compulsive overeater. Um, when my mother had passed away, I had vowed not to have a relationship with my father anymore. Um, you know, there's tons of sexual abuse, physical abuse, blah, blah, blah. And I, I kept true to that. And when he was dying and needed help, I was the only daughter that would respond. And I looked at it as, I'm I'm here to be of service, um, but I I kept true that I I didn't have any relationship because it wasn't healthy, it wasn't good for me, it wasn't good for my husband, it wasn't good for my kids. Um, but yet I was there and I took care of him with my my other sister joined in, and I was able to forgive him also um, before he he died, but. I was coming from a, a loving, caring, giving spirit. And this is something that I would have never expected that I could do. But yes, I, I do not um, 
have a relationship with people that I'm going to cause harm or they're going to cause harm to me because it's it's a protection and you know we are to be of service but not at at to the extent that we're going to harm ourselves i mean miracles can happen like i said i mean i was able to let go a lot of stuff uh, last year when my father passed away and i was able to be helpful but i did stay away for um 14 years based on um my needs so with that i'll pass thank you very much julie thank you teresa for your question Anyone else with questions today for our panelists? Yeah, this is Kathy Kay. I'd like to ask a question. Yes, I have a question. I hear you, Kathy Kay. Who else jumped in there? Gladys F. Gladys. Carolyn S.H. And Carolyn. Anyone else? Elise M. Molly M. I didn't catch the last two names after Carolyn. It was Elise M. and Molly M. Molly. Molly M. and Elise M. Okay, excellent. That'll be our final invitation for questions. Kathy Kay, go ahead and start us off. Okay, thank you, Leah, for your service, and thank you, panelists. It was really great to hear all of you today. I'm sitting here thinking about the decision that I need to make uh, when I'm sponsoring others and they get to the ninth step. Um, sometimes pe- they, uh, my, I have my sponsees write out the letters with those five parts that you talked about in preparation for making direct amends. Um, and sometimes it comes to a point where the person they've written the letter to is not in town and may not be in town, and the question comes up, uh, do they send the letter, do they make a phone call, um, what is the best way to proceed? And the best I've come up with is to have them go to God and pray about it and see what they come up with in that asking God for guidance. But I wondered if you do anything different uh, in making that decision. That is, how long do you keep it on your list um, rather than mail the letter or make a phone call? And I'll listen. Thank you. Um, This is Julie. Um, what I, I'm I'm actually going through the men's process with one of my sponsees right now, and I have them do that. Am I willing to make amends now, later, or never? So obviously we take care of the nows, and then when we get done with that, we'll go through the laters, and we're going to see why is that later. Is it because they live in a different state? Is it because um, it wouldn't be healthy to talk to them? If it's somebody who they cannot go see in person, because that's the best, you know, we face-to-face, you know, we go with God, then there's the phone. And if that is impossible because you're going to harm another person, then I would say a letter. But, I mean, the big book's very clear. We pocket our pride and we go to it. You know, no matter what the cost is for us, we we have to go to that person. So for me, this is just me saying, uh, with my sponsees, I would not say, oh, go ahead and write a letter or send an email, you're done. No, it's face-to-face. 
Vince phone and then letter, or if you can't do that, then I have them write a letter and burn it um, because we have to still be able to make amends if the person's dead or, or whatnot. But, um, yeah, the big book says, you know, it's, it's not a comfortable process for to clear the debris, um, and we're not going to get well until we do that. So with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Julie. Thanks, Kathy Kay. Gladys, your turn. Hi, um, I basically only heard the uh, last two speakers. Um, and well, my question is, I've been around uh, OA now for like 15 years, and I went over the steps uh, a couple of times, and one sponsor took me through the big little step. And when I did step nine, she had me to listen to as um, the men's uh, <clears throat> now, later, or never now, I did finish my amends, um, but, and I, I, and I was working on maintenance, but I relapsed. And then I came, coming back to, um, I was in relapse basically a few years. And I, I'm coming back, uh, to the program. And I got another OA sponsor that worked, that's working with me. She did the big book as well. But when I gave her my history, she told me to just um, continue maintenance, uh, 10, 11, and 12, because she said that I had the experience. I just stopped uh, working the program. But I feel, you know, but since in relapse, I made, you know, I, I did harm. And um, I'm just wondering, how, how do I go about those amends? Thank you, Gladys. Hold on. Let's get a panelist to respond. Hi, this is Becca W. Becca, go right ahead. And you. Hi, thanks so much for your question. Um, yeah, so you don't. You're, in my opinion, uh, I hope this isn't too bold, but you're not ready. What I really heard was a lack of step two. Um, this program's foundation is all about step two, step two, step two. Came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. There's something out there that's bigger than us. It's a power that's bigger than us. That through this process, we're going to fill ourselves with that power. And so when you get to the point of making an amend, as I discussed in my talk earlier, we're rearranged people. All, all the stuff that was stuck in us is now gone and, and is filled up with God's light. So when you get to the point of being at your amends, you will know how to make them, especially with your sponsor's guidance. You know, we, we heard in an earlier question, you know, what, what do we do on, on these more tricky ones? Well, yeah, you pray. And, and God, if we're clear, God tells us exactly what to do. So, so my recommendation is to look at the beginning of your program. You know, if you know you're powerless over the food, if you know your life is unmanageable, then you're on step two. And the big book, it's like three and a half chapters is, is step two. And, and it's like that for a reason because that's where we begin to define our higher power. We get to look at what that relationship looks like. We start beginning to trust. And, and an exercise that I'll share with you that I do with my sponsees is I ask them to make a bulleted list of everything that they need from their higher power, whether they come in religiously or not. I mean, what aren't they getting? What do they need? How, what support do they need to become the person that they want to be? What does that person look like? And I have them make a bulleted list of everything that they want and need from a higher power. And then I have them do a second part of that exercise, which is 
making a personalized prayer for each one. So if my first bullet is I need help putting down the food, maybe my personalized prayer is, God, you know, for today, please help make neutral the foods that I have difficulty with. Please have me eat the foods that nourish my body and power me today and get me closer to you. Right? Something relatively simple. But what's happening there is I'm already talking to God. A lot of times we come into the program, we don't know how to talk to God. We don't know how to pray. We don't know how to listen to God. Meditate. So what you're doing is you're starting yourself off with this exercise where already at the beginning of the program, you're opening a channel to your higher power so that you and he can communicate or you and she or you and it. However you define your higher power, it's an open channel. And for me, when I heard your question and I heard you speaking, I heard a lack of step two. So that, that's what I recommend your focus be today is to look at the beginning, the foundation of your program, and not worry about your step nine yet. You, you may not be there just yet. So it's okay when you do get there. It's about trusting that you know what God will need for you, and he'll give you the direction that you need. Thanks, and I passed. Thank you, Becca. Do I hear, heard you jump in as well? Good morning. Thank you, Leah. Um, yeah, I love this question because it's so important. So what happens, right? We take the steps, then we have a relapse, and and so do we continue where we left off with, with the step work? Um, well, the big book is very clear. You start back from step one. You start back from the beginning, right? Because um, obviously you didn't take step one in, in the first place. If you had a relapse, you went right back to the food. That is still an issue. So that needs to be cleared up first before you continue with any other, of the other steps. And one of the things that happens with people is they come to step one, right? And they're in the food. And they want to let go of the food. And then all of a sudden, as they're letting go of the food, they realize, oh, my God, my life is horrible. I've hurt so many other people, and I need to go and repair the, the you know, I need to make these reparations. What they're confusing uh, in step one is that there is unmanageability. They're recognizing their unmanageability with their relationships, with their food, with with other people, with their interactions, with their emotions, with everything that has to do with unmanageability, and they think that that has to do with amends. You're not ready to go and make amends or live in 10, 11, 12 if you're still at step one. Um, so it's a process, and you need to go through that process as far as putting down the food first. That needs to be down. That needs to be down before you're able to do the rest of the steps. Then after that, it's like, um, like you said, you know, build a relationship with God and continue with the rest of the steps till you get to that process of development, till you get to step nine, and then you go and make the amends. I hope that's helpful. Thank you, Thank you. Thank you, Gladys, for the question, important question. Thank you. Carolyn S.H. Yes, thank you. Hi, Leah. Your Can question. I be heard? Yep, sure can. Thank you. Um, Good morning. Thank you so much, panelists. Uh, just amazing recovery and wisdom and so helpful. Um, my question is about uh, an amends that I've made. I, I've been um, graced with making some that have just been beautiful and wonderful, and there's a few that have not gone so well. And um, one uh, was with my um, college roommate, and I won't go into detail, but it went 
she was saying things like, you know, I, I forgive you, don't worry about it, and stuff like that. But it was, the conversation got very squirrely. Um, and in her telling me other things that um, offended her or hurt her, I started to get resentful because they were things that I actually did to try to help her at the time. And so I, in the conversation, I felt like, oh, whoops, I did this too early. I'm not ready. So, um, And so that happened a few months ago, and I've let it go. And I, my question to the panelists is, in this kind of situation, what steps would you recommend um, how to deal with that now? Like what, because uh, I'm not sure going back to her would be a good thing. Um, and what would you recommend how to kind of ferret out how to handle that situation at this point? Thank you, Carolyn. Sure. Who would like to respond? <clears throat> Monica. Monica, go ahead. Good morning. Thank you. And Carolyn, good morning to you. Thank you for your question. Um, I, uh, when you were talking and 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 about this experience, and you said, you know, you felt yourself sitting there getting resentments. Uh, my first thought was, you know what? We're not cured. <laughs> And that's why we have step 10 um, and that uh, you have on page 84 and step 10 your instructions of what to do when a resentment pops up. So these things were all going on in your head here. You know, you didn't say anything. You didn't, it sounds like you didn't uh, do something there and then to hurt her. No. All right. This Mm -mm. is all your stuff in your head. So you need to do a turnaround or you need to do step 10. Uh, 84, you got your instructions there. Number one, you ask God to remove this immediately from you. You, um, If you need to talk to somebody about it, you talk to somebody about it. You may do a, write out a turnaround or review a turnaround in your head, you know, where you're asking yourself, how are you being dishonest and selfish and um, self-seeking and what are you afraid of? And then it goes on to say, turn your thoughts you know, making amends quickly. In this case, I don't think you're owing an amends. It's all in your head. And turn your thoughts to how you can be a help to somebody else, you know. So when these, when I get a little resentment like that, something like that popping up in my head, I'll go, you know what, Monica? They're a sick person too. You know, the big book tells you, Monica, love and tolerance is your code. And I say a prayer for them. And um, so I think that's, you know, that's I, where. I, go ahead. I'm done. <laughs> Thank you, Monica. Thank you, Carolyn S.H., for your question. Hi, hi. this is Jane oh, Jane B. May I, may I ask a question? Uh, one moment, please. I have a couple of people ahead of you, please. Okay. And then we were actually going to wrap up. Uh, I have a leave M. Am I correct on that name? Sounded something like that. Uh, it's Elise, E-L-I-S-E. Elise. Okay, excellent. Yeah. Go right ahead, please. Hey. Um, thank you so much to everyone. I just, um, just feel like crying. I just got so much. And um, I guess my question is a bit similar to what um, someone else asked in that um, I was going, I was kind of like at step seven and then um decided that I needed to increase <laughs> the quantity of everything that I was eating and just, you know, it was just um, 
everything's been really slippy, so I'm kind of like back at steps one and two and just really appreciating um, what people have shared, but also, you know, I'm like living in a roommate situation where um, I keep, <laughs> you know, calling and doing many four steps um, on my roommate and I'm moving out, but um, yesterday I kind of, you know, just said like several things that I have been holding on to as resentments, like, you know, the dishes and business and da da and, you know, I don't feel respected and da da And I feel, like, just really, really mortified and, I guess, just kind of humbled um, and just, like, in a lot of... Um, I just feel really remorseful for how much kind of hatred I've been putting out there around these really inconsequential things and you know, I'm a really sick person and just not extending that generosity to others. So she's gone skiing. Part of me is like, I've got to do a lens. I'm like, sorry to interrupt. Yeah. In the interest of time. Yeah, I'm sorry, sorry, sorry. Please. I'll wrap it up. Well, just like what do you do in the meantime when you know that you owe someone an amends and it's almost like excruciating not to do it, but um, uh, uh, you're not at step 10, you're, you're not like, you know, at the step where you make amends kind of thing. Thank you. Panelists? This is Sue. Go ahead, Sue. Oh, yeah, uh, another great question. You know, what do you do? Um, well, the big book is very clear. Again, you go through the process. Whatever step you're on, you need to try to put those things on a shelf and concentrate on getting recovered. That is the most important thing that you can do for yourself and others. Recover, recover, recover. You know, so if you're at step one, my sponsor told me, if you're at step one, put your full energy on getting the step that you're on and really getting what it is that you're trying to get out of that step, right? So for me, step one was putting on the food, knowing that I am different like from other people, knowing about the disease, and then I kept going in that process. If I'm at step two, then I concentrate on entering into that relationship with God. If I'm at step three, I'm looking at the self and how the self has manifested and God has not been able to enter into my life because of that. If I'm at step four, I'm going to concentrate on doing the inventory correctly and knowing how to do that, right, because that's going to help me to do a step nine. Um, you know, if I'm at step Five, then I'm going to be honest and I'm going to divulge everything that I have to divulge. If I'm at step six, I'm going to concentrate on, on looking at my character defects and what they are and, and how to like turn that over to God in step seven. And then if I'm at step eight, I'm going to do, I'm going to concentrate on that list. I'm not going to be worrying about step nine when I haven't even done step eight, right? So I need to concentrate on the steps that I'm at so that I can get the full impact of these steps and have that revolutionary change as I'm going through the process. But if I'm worried about a different step that I'm not on, what's going to happen is I'm trying to get there quickly, and I'm going to trip, and I'm going to fall, and I'm going to make a bigger mess of what I've done in my life. And I'm going to go eventually back to the food. So it's better to stay where you're at, pray for patience as you're going through the process, know that you're going to work quickly to them and that you're going to do them as thoroughly and as effectively so that you can get the results at the end. And I hope that's helpful. Thanks so much, Du. Thank you, Elise, for the question. 
And now we'll move on to Molly M. I believe it was Molly. Hi, good morning, Molly. I'm also a um, yes. Yeah, I just part of um, my question is uh, part of my main fear is um, this part of uh, making amends. And I, I, I wanted to know, like, if amends is going to, like, really hurt a business uh, t- transaction or business uh, relationship, um, with money issues, and um, can I just make payments and, you know, make amends to paying back at this point, and if I'm not ready to the face-to-face, um, and, you know, I can, I have these ways I can pay it, you know, and just, it could be paid and then not realizing that it's coming in um, from me, per se, but it's going to be, I'm going to be making amends with um, making my payments through my higher power, knowing it and a sponsor, perhaps. And um, would that would that be okay to get going? Because at this point, I am not able to make the verbal amends to the person because that would really destroy my life financially and my whole future. Hi, this is Julie. Go ahead, Julie. Thank you. You know, the big book's very clear that we make direct amends and um, regardless of what could happen, you know, we could face jail time, we could face, um, you know, hardship. But if it's going to affect, you know, your husband or your business, you talk to them ahead of time. It it says that in the big book too because it's going to, you know, bring you into a bankruptcy state. You want your family to be aware of that. But we also are willing to go to any length because we have to recover. So for me, it's, it's, I have to do what the big book says or I'm not going to get recovered. And so it's direct amends. It's letting them know that, yes, I am the one who manipulated the money. I am the one who did this. And it's, it's, I have to or I'm not going to get well. I'm going to get back into the food. I'm going to get back into relapse. And that's exactly what happened. Um, with me is that I did not take the direct amends of approach and um, it knocked me for a loop and I gained 70 of my 150 back. So, yeah, I, I have to do direct amends. So with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Molly, for your question. And uh, this great opportunities to also work these things out with your sponsor or other uh, recovered people. One-on-one conversations can be helpful for further clarification. And now we'll go to Jane B. If you have a quick question before we wrap up, Jane, you can go ahead and pose your question now. Yeah, okay. Yeah, hi. Thanks, Thanks everybody. Uh, this is Jane B. from Florida. Um, just totally amazed at how great this uh, meeting is and helpful to me, which I'll go back and, and re-read, re-rewind. Um, I just had a quick question. I'll try to make it really brief. Um, I've gone to the the big book process, I'm back, um, I had to go back to step one, of course, and I'm building a really good foundation, and I had to put new boundaries on my absence, yada, yada. But the point is, I have I have a situation where I have a member of the family who caused tremendous financial harm to my family, in that it's devastated my mom and, and just taken over a lot of the problems, trying legal and financial. So, how do I deal with the, of course I feel angry, but I don't want to live in, 
in anger and resentment while I'm going through all this legal stuff and devastation from my mom's, you know, reactions and how it affected the family. How do I, I not, you know, and I had done a direct dementia and I really felt clean about it, you know, really good. And then this kind of just wham hit, hit the whole family myself. And um, so is there anything you can help me with that? Or is that something I just have to work through? Or just do I pray, just pray, 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 pray. She's a sick person. Do the, I don't know, angry man's prayer. I don't know. Just how do you deal with that? Or, you know, could it, is there anybody could help me with that? Any panelists want to respond to Jane? This is Stu. Go ahead, Stu. Thanks. I'll take a stab at it. I- I'm yeah, going to repeat myself. I'm going to repeat myself again. <laughs> if you're at step one. You know, the big book tells you very clearly, you can't do this. You cannot do this. If you're in the food, you're going to continue to have uh, unresolved conflict with people. And the only way you could do it, and the only proper way to do it, is through, to go through the steps. Go through the developmental process. If you're an infant, you can't be an adult. If you're, if you're a toddler, you can't be an adolescent. You can't be those things. You have to go through the process. Food has to be down. Food has to be down so that you can have the clarity to go through the process. Now, you're asking, what can I do in the meantime, right, as I'm having these personal conflicts, right? You're not going to resolve this. I'm going to tell you right now. If you're in the food, you're going to complicate things. You're going to make things worse. You're not going to resolve this, okay? The only way you're going to resolve it is recover, 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 okay? So what I suggest, what my sponsor suggested was put it on the shelf. You know, it should take you probably just a few months to get through all the steps, and then you'll do a proper amends. You'll look at those financial records. You'll look at the wreckage of your past, and the, the steps will go step by step by step in putting those things in place. The other thing is you need to develop a relationship with God. You know, steps two, th- three, four, five, all of those steps are helping you to develop a relationship with God where you're not in the self trying to orchestrate the way you've always thought of doing things and kind of like coming from that perspective of trying to take care of things on your own self-will, your self-control, your own self-determination, your self-reliance. You're going to come from a different angle, which would be God's angle, which would be God helping you and giving you the strength to be able to go through the process of re- making those reparations. And that's the difference. That's the change. The change is we're inviting God in, but we're doing it by removing those blockages of self so that we can be better able to understand how we have hurt people, how we continue to have personal conflict with others, and how we can resolve those personal conflicts through this process called the 12 steps. So it's a process, it's a developmental stage, and you need to go through the process. My suggestion to you is pray about it, yes. But also 
get into the step that you're in. If you're in step one, concentrate on that step. Work through the steps quickly, get to the step nine, and make the reparations. I hope that's helpful. Thank, Thank you. you. Very good. Thanks, Jane, for the question. Monica? Monica? Go ahead, Monica. Um, I was thinking when you were, are you at step nine? Are you trying to do step nine right now? Is my question to you. Oh, no, no, Molly. not at all. I'm not oh, okay. Attempting. All right. Okay. Well, then I, I totally yeah, agree no, with no. what with what Du is saying. Uh, when you were ta- when my thought was when you were saying this for anybody else that's out there that if you were at step nine, um, and you know this stuff has happened to your mom, then have you caused harm to the other person? You know what have you done? This sounds more like resentments and fears going on here, and then. Um, then you would, you know, you would have to do your your turnaround. You would have to do your step ten instructions of what to do when you have resentments and fears. Uh, the other thing I wanted to say is that when I was, you know, this is not everybody. This is the way I was brought through. That when I got to step nine, um, I was told at that point that I needed to be start living ten, eleven, and twelve because. Step nine might take time for me to get through that process of making these amends and that uh, I needed to, you know, get going on the amends and do do what I could as quickly as possible. But I needed to be living 10, 11, and 12. So that's why I'm saying, you know, if you're at step nine and these things are coming out, then you need to, you know, what is this? Resentments, fears, and what do you do when those things come up? Again, I bring you back to age, to page 84 where there's instructions there. But uh, no, if you're not there, then yeah, I totally agree. You need to be on a step that you're on and, you know, ask God to help you. You know, God, I'm a crazy woman. Please help me. (laughs) And I pass. Thank you. And thank you to all our panelists this morning for giving so much of yourselves, your time, your effort, your experience, your teachings. Duel, Becca W., Julie R., Monica T., thank you for your service this morning. Page 164 is the way we always close here. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is a great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.